Hello and welcome to Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. Before we started recording, Paul Finney, my esteemed colleague and co-founder of the podcast, said this is going to be the worst podcast ever. Um, So, thank you for tuning in and listening. We will try and beat that expectation and maybe, just maybe, we'll achieve, we'll have the achievement of it being only the second or third worst podcast ever. Sounds familiar. Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm Nabar. Yourself, big man. I'm very good. Uh, For those of you who are tuning in the first time, I'm David Fraser. This is Paul Finney. We have never, ever done a two-header podcast. In seven years, about near on 300 episodes, we have never done just two of us in the podcast. You've simply bored everyone to death that they don't want to come in. Well, so we are... Yeah, so, first of all, this is also... The second week in a row, God, this is going to sound depressing, it's the second week in a row that our guest has bailed on us at the last moment. It's also the first time, these are the first two guests ever who've bailed on us at the last moment. Clint Hill was ill last week, has man flu, and we believe still has man flu, although I haven't checked whether he played for Carlisle on Saturday or not. Um, And Clive Wilson also... um, was was coming in, was on the tube, uh, and, and and basically got held up, didn't he, Paul? He did, because apparently the trains in Stratford... I told you this podcast was going to be horrendous, and we're starting at a call-ready pace. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, Good 90s he, reference for you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, and then for the younger listeners, look up it in Google, or just check the forever hours. You know, hey. By the way, you know how... I always tell you that we are we pitch it too old and we need to make it accessible to younger fans, younger listeners, right? Yep. You're thinking Clive Wilson coming in, great, 90s guy, which I, I think all those things. I work with a guy who's 24 years old, Spurs fan, knows a lot about Spurs. Clive Wilson, as you know, went to Spurs after he was at QPR. Mm-hmm. I said, we've got one of your ex-players on the pod tonight, which we now don't, Clive Wilson. He said... I, I think I've heard the name, but I don't know him. Uh, and I said, why? He said, well, I didn't go to my... He's 24 years old. I didn't go to my first game until 2001, when he was seven. And so even he is too young for Clive Wilson at Spurs. So remember, if, you, if Clive Wilson's not here, but for any of our fans under 30 who won't have seen Clive You're Wilson... You're obsessed with this. It's nonsense. If people should learn the history of the club, right... I didn't see half the players I've talked about in my in my life play, but I still know who they are. No, and you still find out who they are. That's all I'm saying is we should explain this who. This generation. What I'm saying is we should explain who Clive Wilson is, not blaming people for not necessarily knowing. People should know their history. It's enough to make your heart go. According anyway. to Paul, people should know their history, but we're not going to help you find out the history. You're on your own as far as that one. If you love your club, you should love the history of your club because that is your club. And you should be enriched by it. I'm not saying you should learn about everything, but you should know something. And all I'm saying to you is explain to people who haven't seen Clive Wilson, Clive Wilson who sim- he was, what right. sort of player he was. Simply, to make it even more complex, yeah. we had fullbacks of like Gillard, we had Neil, we had Dawes, we had great fullbacks all their years, and we were thinking there would never be as good as that. And basically, we got Bards, Liam Wilson, who are probably the best fullbacks I've seen 
in my lifetime at QPR. And to be honest with you, it's an absolute disgrace that Wilson was never capped more by England or at all, as far as he I was know. never capped at all. No, he wasn't. Was a brilliant player, could cross, could tackle, could the pace was electric, um, intelligent, could read a game. These days, he'd be worth an absolute fortune, and that was in terrible pitches as well. And in comparison to the England fullbacks of today, I think he's a much finer player. I'm not an expert. He's, in that. A, he's a better player than you know. I like Carl Walker a lot. I would say. Clive Wilson, mid-90s, is better than Carl Walker, wherever we are now. But what Clive Wilson did suffer from, you can't get away from it, was he had two two to three extremely good left-backs in front of him for England. Stuart Pearce, who was in the team for the best part of a decade, if not more, and Graham Lasseau was backing him up, and, and Graham Taylor at the time, and those managers liked Tony DiRigo. So if he'd have been a left-back now... He, I believe he would be. He would have England caps. No, I disagree. I think if Clive had gone to one of the so-called glamour clubs, he would have been a regular. There's no one as good as Clive Wilson in that era as a left back. But he was. I mean, Pierce I, I didn't one. expect us to actually talk about Clive Wilson for this long. But he did. He played for Man City. He played for Chelsea. He played for yeah, Spurs. But don't forget, he was playing as a winger. It was Don Howe that converted him back to a left back. I converted him to a left back. Right. That's where he then. Started to really, and also he probably went to Spurs a bit too late in his career and hit to get international caps. But no, it's like loads of players. It's like Roy Wigley never got any any exposure for being such a good player because he played for QPR. Bartlesley didn't get it. Excellent. Alan McDonald never got the recognition he deserved for being the top class centre half that played all them years. Danny Maddox was massively ignored, or completely. So he went Man- Manchester United under the radar. We knew about these players. QPR just didn't get picked up. <sighs> but then, okay, Alan McDonald, I think, suffered the, from the double whammy, don't be offended, of playing for Here we go. an unfancied club and an unfancied nation, if you don't mind me saying. Just because Canada beat us at the time, there's no need to be rude. You know, you, you, you yeah, know what I mean. He, yeah, but saying that, yeah, but hang on a wee minute. But then, on the other hand, you had Gary Bannister, who had one of the best school storing records in the country, but still didn't get the recognition he deserved because we were an unglamorous club doing what Wimbledon did, but with playing in passion, pride and good football and not hoofing it. But for all those players... Why did you put your I hand up? I put my hand up so that I could speak. A bit weird. For all those players, I could say David Seaman got England caps whilst he was at QPR. Paul Parker got England caps whilst mm-hmm. he was at QPR. Les Ferdinand got England caps whilst mm-hmm. he was at QPR. Terry Fennick got England caps whilst he was at exactly. QPR. So it did happen. It did, but it didn't happen enough. I mean, Fennick, to be fair... I mean, you could also argue that in the second division, when we won the second division, Rhoda was probably one of the best defenders in the country, as he proved in the cup final. But, I don't know, maybe that's a chip on my shoulder, but I don't think the players get what they deserve when they play for Rangers. Like, Stan Bulls would have been far more capped if he'd have played for a Liverpool or a Man United or something like that. There. Rodney Marsh, the same, you could argue. Um, Simon Stainrod should have definitely up there, one of the better players. You know, Paul Goddard was a great player. You know, Clive Allen, when he was at QPR, didn't get, again, the recognition that he deserved. And this is in my opinion. You know, don't forget I was young then. I mean, David, you weren't even around. I mean, people that, you, you know, we were lucky. We had such a good juice system that we all took it for granted. We always thought this is going to keep producing player after player after player after player. And then when it didn't and it stopped, we realised how good a system we had. And that's what we're trying to bring back. But to be honest with you, it's so hard now because Chelsea and... I've just signed up every youngster that's any good in, in, in London, basically, and beyond, and just loan them out. And what they're doing is a disgrace to football. How they're getting away with that, I don't know. I know a four-year-old who's been signed up by Chelsea. 
You are joking me. No, I'm not. I know wow. a four-year-old who's been signed up by Chelsea and by Arsenal, actually. I think at that age, they're a little bit chilled. They let you kind of have a go for both. Basically, though, what it is, is they're just football. They're like Sunday. They're like football training camps. They're like training camps. And then at four years old, they just train the kids. And as they get older, they move the ones through that they think are half decent and they don't move the other ones But through. the trouble is, what they do is they rack and stack them. So say, for instance, Ireland or whatever, if, if, if you have any kind of talent in Ireland, you're taken over here and you're not developed within a smaller pool to get the experience you need to develop. You just All these kids you just put in one group and then four or five will make it and the rest are sent back. Totally disillusioned with football and everything else because their heart's broken. You know, I, I kind of think it'd be there should be an age limit on when kids can you know go back to the local areas of like a three mile radius of the club and you develop them players and everything else because the way it's recognised. One thing I would say though, on the other side of it, I did some work through work with mm. Man City and we had to go there and see their training ground, which is amazing. Yeah, Every totally. kid at Man City from I think the age of eleven that goes through their academy regardless of when they get let go. So if an 11-year-old kid gets let go at 14, Man City pay for their education up until the age of 18. And that's the way it should be. And Every well single done kid. Yeah. But that's the way it should be, David. I mean, you feel so sorry for these kids that are just... The, the whole life's football. I mean, at Rangers a few years ago, we had like O'Brien, who was a keeper, who went to Spurs, and Dean Parrott, that went to Spurs, with great expectations. And the whole world was their oyster. They were treated with like royalty. But then comes a day when it's like, right, you're binned, goodbye, see ya. And then you're just thrown on the scrap heap. So I know that's what QPR are trying to do. We're trying to pick up them players now and turn their lives around like with Hall from Spurs and stuff like that there. But I think it's disgusting the way football's run now, the way kids and their parents are just tapped up by by bigger clubs and just racked and stacked. It's, it should be local levels. And maybe go the way Germany do, where you've got to have so many youth team players in your first team and you have to bring so many players through. Whatever Germany are doing... We should reinvent ourselves and try it. I know this podcast is going off on a tangent, but I think this is one of those nights. And dear listener, we said before we got on that we'd be on for about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Nice kind of tight podcast with the two of us. So we probably won't be around for too long on your commute. Bear with us. But I'm going to ask you this, Paul. Go Do on. you hate football more than you like it these days? That's, that's a really good question. No, I love it. I mean, you could ask me that pre-Wembley, do you know what I mean? When you're going through all the... I mean, in the 90s, when we were really bad and we were having all those bad years and we were playing the Stockports and that, it was a different type of buzz. You know, going to Chesterfield, going to all these new places. When we, after that, we, we, we got relegated from the Premier League. They went down to the old Division 2. It was a real buzz because we were kind of a big club but a very small pond. And, you know, people were like singing, you're not famous anymore. We never realised we were famous in the fucking first place. So all that sort of thing. And then came the Warnock years, the promotions, the, the playoff, which was probably seeing Adele, seeing Fall and seeing some great footballers. And you just think to yourself, that's why I love football. That's what I like. And they're so few and far between those moments, the playoff final, that Liverpool 3-2 under though. the lights. But they happen. Well, that's it. That's you why dream. you keep at it, because it's so... It's like watching 300 dreadful episodes of Coronation Street in a row, but you know that 300th one is going to be an absolute banger, and that's why you keep with it. And you know it will come at some point, but it's kind of, it's, it's a bit illogical, isn't it? Mm. But it's like, I so. mean, yeah, I know what you're saying, and you're right to some degree, but I think football's changed so much. I mean, with the way 
you know, the Premier League is. And I mean, I've got to be honest with you. Any, I worry that anyone said that they enjoyed the Premier League years was just in denial because I, I found it. But there were some moments that were great. Uh, that but, Liverpool game when um, I can't remember the, the French fella, funny hair, goal went in against Stoke, that last home game of the season. Cissé. That right. goal goes in. Incredible moment. That, yeah, totally. There were some brilliant there moments. There was. And beating the scum was amazing. Yeah. Sorry, Chelsea, for the listeners who don't realise what exactly. the scum are. And I have to explain everything. They are Chelsea Football Club, who hilariously are imploding at the moment, and I love it. Long may that continue, losing to Watford and Bournemouth. Yes, but to be honest with you, again, QPR being QPR, we spent way too much money. We built everyone's expectations up way too much. And then we, we ended up on our arse. And... To have a second bet of it from the playoffs was just like the greatest gift, and we still got it wrong. And then I saw that Fernandez was blaming um, Warnock for. We got it wrong. Yeah, the was sec- that not the? Are we talking about that day we went up at Wembley? No, 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 no. Got it wrong the season after. We still oh, did the same mistakes. Yeah. We, we still did the same things. We did the same mistakes. We didn't learn lessons. And then I see Fernandez is blaming Warnock for it all or whatever. And you think, no, it's collective. And that's the thing about QPR. Everything's collective. Winning is collective, losing is collective. But there's too many people who are just throwing people under the bus all the time, which is why we're not progressing. If we had who, a bit more what do you mean? Who's throwing who under the well, bus? Well, you, you kind of think... You're talking about the mouths on Twitter. Oh, just everything. It's always like, you know, last week there was a Bertram versus Les Roy. Is Les better than Bertram? Is it Les's fault? Is it Bertram's fault? And what I was trying to say was, I don't think everyone has been doing the job well enough because we wouldn't have been in the position we were. So everyone needs to up their game which I thought was fair enough. And it's like, nope, Les is doing a brilliant job. And I'm thinking, well, what has Les done then? That's so brilliant. He had no experience. He's come in and he's trying to do things and he was left a really bad... How on earth does anyone know if Bertram's done a good job or not? No, I literally mean you can judge Les's output, you can judge Holloway's output. Unless you work at the club or are a player, how would you know if Bertram does well, like a good Fleming, job or not? Isn't it? Because it's a behind-the-scenes job. Everyone was blaming Fleming and Bertram for everything that's gone wrong. Cause maybe they want to blame Holloway, maybe they didn't want to blame um, Les. So, and then now Fleming's gone, they're going, oh, what do we do now then? You know, it's kind of like, we have to realise that everyone was learning the trade. The only experienced person at QPR, to a certain degree, is Holloway. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to be brutally honest about it, everyone else has learned. Even the, the other day I said, bring... By the way, I want Les to work. People... Probably think on Twitter, I'm not pro Les. I'm very pro Les. Les was an absolute legend of mine as a as a as a young lad, and he did so much good for the community, for the game. What he did for Grenfell was just tear jerking. The way he spoke, how it affected him, how he turned that around and helped people was amazing. And you know, but when you take a role at a club, whether it's Holloway, Bircham, Fleming, who's now gone or whatever, so he went to Middlesbrough, right? With- yeah, yeah. Well, she's got Did he not take Jerry Francis with him then? See, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of me that's thinking, will Francis come back and fill Fleming? This is just too far north for Jerry. I, 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 I don't, I'm not being facetious. He, he likes stuff that's not too far away, doesn't he? And it's yeah, but don't far. forget he's had a really bad tragedy recently, so yeah, true. he might be getting his head Very together true. from that. So I, you might not see Jerry for a wee while in football, and that's totally understandable after what he's been through. But... Do we then bring back, this is what I wanted to ask you, do you then bring back Clint Hill as a youth role or something like that there, or is that another legend waiting to be shot at? Um, okay, so this hasn't gone the way I thought, this podcast, because we were supposed to talk about, um, we are supposed to talk about the game and all the rest of it, no, we'll, we'll talk about the manager. Um, okay, I think 
I, I'm not. So last week, admittedly, we were a bit sort of negative and down after what had happened, those two defeats. And this week, it's, it's perhaps a little bit more realistic or whatever. I, I probably am now veering towards get to the end of the season. Everyone's got their head held high. Thank Holloway very much. And then we kind of move on. And I th- like, and respectfully, and I've said this to you before, I think we should have done that with Warnock after, the, after we went up. It would have been a tough call. But I think in 2011, we probably should have said to Warnock, you've done a great job. Now it's time for the next thing. I think it's now, we are now getting to the point where the right manager for us is going to be fully cooked and ready. And that's Gareth Ainsworth. No, it gets slaughtered. That's not the reason to not appoint him. If it doesn't Second work... Second in, in um, League One, probably going to go up. Very good example of a manager having time. He's now got experience. He knows the club. I think it's... They'll probably go up this year. So then he'll be in... Sorry, they're League Two. So he'll go up to League One. I think I think that will be the moment. I think it will be the perfect time. I, I make you right, but I don't think he would get the time at QPR he would need to adjust to his new surroundings and to the higher level. But maybe Holloway's taken that hit for the next manager. Maybe Holloway has actually taken those couple of years of whatever you want to call it, stabilising, mediocrity, whatever, for the next manager mm. to then come in and start pushing up and we're not going to be that impatient okay we do want to move forward you always want to do better than the previous season but no manager's going to get sacked for us not going up next year they we just want an improvement on where we have been year on year but why does everything have to surround promotion that's not that's not the level i think we should be aiming at i think the level we should be able at is washing our face as the modern people say in the corporate world We've got to learn to have the ability to live within our means, go back to the way we used to be, and maybe for a few more years accept that we're a championship club that needs to grow inwardly first, and then we can then dream of of such days like Wembley again. When we then go up, if we do go up again, we can stay there a bit longer. But maybe, that's what I'm saying, maybe this is what the Holloway years have done. There's a, there's a pipeline of players coming through. There's some half-decent players. I, I said to my brother, I looked at the team on Saturday, I said, we are a pretty average, well-meaning team, but there's two or three good players Absolutely. in it. I think it's going to take a while and patience. And It's like Bristol City, Donnell Furlong was getting dogs abused by certain people. He's a kid. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, he's going to have a couple of good games, he's going to have a couple of bad games, but, you know, the best builder in the world didn't start off the best builder in the world, the best painter didn't start, you know what I mean? You have to learn your trade, we have to learn these things as we go along. You don't just... You mean like Gareth Ainsworth has managed, is is now like the third or fourth longest serving... Listen, I would love Hill, Ainsworth, the Gallons... But you don't base Hill on anything. All all these... You, You wanting Hill is based on absolutely nothing. Well, it's based, it's based on, the... on you liking him as a guy and a player, but you have got no idea whether he's a good coach or not. He's going to be better than some of the friggin' lemons we've employed down there. But I know that's no reason. No, he can tell. Listen, the guy that is coaching Baz is he's doing his diploma. You talk to him, he knows what he's talking about. We've seen how he acted during the semi-final of the, um, the playoffs against Wigan and out there where he was totally tell, almost coaching Redknapp 
and telling him what to do, what we need to do, and what we were going wrong. You've got to have faith in these people. You know, I mean, Holloway, for all his madness and everything else, I think after Brentford, he lost a lot of fans and he lost a lot of respect for a lot of people who were undecided about him. And you've got to face facts, David. There's 3,000 people who aren't coming to Rangers anymore who are season tickled. The ground was pretty poor on Saturday. Now, is that Holloway's fault? Is it your fault? Is it my fault? Is it whose fault is it? Because there's no one to blame at Rangers because it's not Les's fault. It's not Ian's fault. It's not Birch's fault. It's not Fleming's fault. It's not the Hughes's fault. But there's a lot of empty seats. So then comes the news, the season tickets. Let's talk about season tickets. So announcement today. Yep. I was I was in Manchester today. So a little bit of colour. How was our last Monday? It's, it's very As nice. You know. Very nice city. So very great. all I saw was the headline, season tickets frozen. I saw something around a 225 quid season ticket, but I don't know the detail. So... Educate me. What what happened today? Well, there is a question I never thought I'd hear you say to be educated. <laughs> yeah, that's the sort of thing that frightens a dyslexic. Anyway, um, it's bizarre. Are you dyslexic? Not really. Okay. Um, Should do a podcast on that. I would. That's a joke. No one would listen. Go on. Tell us about the season tickets or a cast pod, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, I was dyslexic. I make them sort of jokes. And do you know what? I did used to get Santa and Satan mixed up in spelling, but that's another story. Right. For everybody who's <laughs> got the Finny Bingo card, dyslexic, flowers, cider, wheat, gluten, celiac, fecking. Fe- right. You've done Irons. house. Someone's just called house. Now continue with the right. point. Have they got Glen Torn on it as well? <laughs> anyway, that could be a new one. Um, the blue one is basically, I think it's 225 or something like that, and it's kind of like, might be restrictive view. Don't know. But I'm like, okay. What they did last season was brilliant. The interest-free was a brilliant incentive because it gave people a chance because, not even, especially in today's climate, people need time to pay things, especially if you bring a couple of kids with you as well. That was more than welcome. But you're kind of thinking to yourself, right, what do we get? What are, we, what are they going to do for us? How are we going to be rewarded for another season of being patient? So basically, if you're lucky to be one of the 250, 300 people, whoever this applies to, you get a season ticket for that price. Mm. The rest of us are still paying the same price we paid last season. Now, people can say restrictive view. Behave yourself. Loftus Road is pretty restrictive view, no matter where you sit. I mean, I'm in G Block, Suffolk Road. My view is not that decent. Or restricted knees. Yes. <laughs> But well, the knees issue is terrible, isn't and it? restricted fun. I mean, a lot of the time. I mean, to be honest with you, I know I talk about the lower loft, and I get it; it's fine. But they've got the they've got the burger, they've got the best food there, they've got the bars there, they've got everything that, in the in the loft. South Africa Road. I mean, I was there with our kid, I mean, nephew, on Saturday. They couldn't even take a card for the um, for drinks. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, and the food, it's just we need to start really rethinking the structure of what we're giving fans on a match day and improving it to a better level because Siafra Road needs upgrading. It needs improving. You need to start that level and you need to start at nine and lift it up a bit because we get nothing. Going back to the blue thing, great that we're going to encourage people to come back, but I can't help think it's kind of like, because everyone's been saying for years we're overpriced or walk-ups were overpriced for away tickets, how many clubs do a 225 season ticket? Yeah, for X amount of people, really, Rangers? Are you... You know, I, th- I think the club needs to get a bit of credit here. First of all, I think the five months warning that you're going to need to pay it in June is is decent. That's mm-hmm. a good lead-in time. 
I'm also, we said this last week when you weren't here, I'm not convinced price makes that much of a difference to it's 35 quid. to that many people. No, I'm not talking about walk-ups. Oh, I'm okay. talking about for the season tickets. I also think it's a fair and legitimate point that Lee Hughes has made where he said it's all right for people to talk about Premier League clubs, 20s plenty, don't charge more than 20 quid, don't charge more than 30 quid. But the Premier League clubs can afford cheap ticket prices and it's tougher in the Championship and the, and the Football League because they don't have the TV money, so they rely on more money. For, they rely on the ticket money. So we've been in conversations with Lee Hoos where he said there's no way we could afford to do a 20-quid ticket. We just can't, we can't, get our, we can't recoup what we have to pay out on that. So there is that pressure. There is a pressure on Football League clubs to get the right ticket price that Premier League clubs don't have. Because if you're Bournemouth, you've got 10,000 fans, the gate's not the gate money is not that big a deal, is it, for them? It's the 90 million plus they're getting in from TV that is getting their, the players they want on the big contracts and, 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 and being where they want to be. It's not the 10,000 people a week. But for QPR, they've got to really think about that ticket price. Nonsense. <laughs> You can easily do a 20s plenty scheme, um, reciprocals with you other clubs. You can't say that. Of course you can. You it, can it, no, you no, can't no, can. say that it's, because you don't, know ha, all right. what, what, you don't know what the overheads are. It's just easy for you to say 20s plenty. No, because if you think of all the leeches in football, the agents, the people that hang on the doors of, of clubs and everything else, it's, there's a lot of money that people take out of football that are not supporters. We put all our money in. People like agents will charge hundreds of thousands to sign a player. We'll do this. We'll do that. Wage cap it then. Bring in a wage cap. You for the can't. Job. It's against the law. You cannot do that. There's, what, you can't bring in a wage cap for a football league? Correct. You can't. You are not allowed to... You're not allowed to... Um, you're not allowed... It's, it's employment law. You're not allowed to do that. And, and, and also, if you did, they would be the only one. And so... No, I we mean, the whole division... I mean... If Switch came to us and said, we'll charge 20 quid, will you charge 20 quid or 25, whatever? And we said no, so then we get charged X amount at their place, more. Well, if you had a, an agreement amongst the clubs, how many f- championship grounds do you see week after week with empty seats? It's, it's, so do you live th- within your means. Live within your means. Yeah, but the there's also is- stat that, like, there were some stats last week. That the, it's now the third most popular league in Europe. Attendances have never been so high in the Championship. Yeah, but a lot of clubs are a lot cheaper than us. Fulham and Brentford are much they cheaper are, than us. They are, but my, I'm, what I'm saying to you is I'm not sure it would make that much of a difference on QPR attendances with what is happening on the pitch at the David, moment. David, with £300 million in debt or whatever it is, we've lost an absolute fortune by paying players eighty-five grand a week. Surely it's better to give the fans something back. No, but what I'm... But, but, oh, oh, so you're talking about something different. I'm saying I don't think you'll see an increase in crowds if you took the price down to £20, £25. I think you £20, would. I think, you would. I think away support... We charge away supporters far too much. Walk-ups are an absolute joke. Way too expensive. And to bring people in who are going to be first-time visitors to charge, like, 10 quid, I don't know, actually. You know, I mean, I think if you, I think if you pay beforehand for a kid or under 18, it's 13 quid. You turn up in the day, it's 18. 
Have I got that right? I think it is something but like that. But then don't turn up on the day. Yeah, but you can say that you could be a tourist in London, you could be coming down from Scotland, you might want to go and see a if local game. If you're a game. tourist in London, 18 quid for a kid is good value for an like afternoon's that. activity. You've got to, you go you've, to the theatre with them, it's a lot more. You've got to grab people, you've got to get you their do, interest. You do, you do, I agree with that. What I'm saying is the price of the ticket is not going to make that much difference to that many people. Yes, well, okay. there I'll are take- some people it does. But it's not going to... The crowd... You take the price down to 20 quid, we're not going to have 18,000 a week all of a sudden. When Rangers start paying agents less money, I'll hear them. Until that happens, I'm not so sure. Because okay. you can plead poverty and then give an agent X amount of money for players and then players on thirty, forty thousand pounds £40,000 a week and then say to the fans, well, I'm sorry you can't get this well, kind of season. they would say, together. look, Paul, you and your wife run a floristry company correct right the price of you have to pay a certain amount to buy flowers right right and that is the price of it and you can't say it's it's like me saying to you well you can't pay that much for a tulip if that's the price of it i.e to get this player this agent needs to be paid then that's what you've got to do you can't reinvent the rules of how much a flower costs no but what you can do is you can reinvent how you develop yourself and how you bring yourself forward to be within the means of what you are. Which I think they would argue they're trying to do. They're trying in some respects, but look, I'm not convinced. I think I think they could have done season tickets a little bit better. I think they could definitely give people in Suffolk Road and the Ellsley a better service than what we're getting um, regarding a lot of other things. And I think in some ways the club are listening and deserve to be applauded, but giving some fans half-price season tickets and nothing to anyone else seems to me to be very unfair and wrong. Okay, let's do a couple of minutes on the game, and then mm-hmm. we'll do an hour's end. All right, okay. Well, that went um, quick. Yeah, that's gone. Uh, so we haven't. We usually talk about the game first. Mm. What was you? What did you think about Saturday? It was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. There's no two ways about it. But I couldn't care less. We won. We got the win. We can breathe. We can relax a bit, and maybe now we'll start seeing better football. We've got that kind of. There's a, there was a, that nervous thing about the gone now, so. Hopefully we can we can get rid of the shackles a bit and start playing a bit more football. I'm weird that we saw the last game of Leeds's next ex-manager. Ah, they'll probably be sacked again by the. That's <laughs> a strange club. See, there's there's a prime example of a club that just doesn't believe in anything, in the badge, in the fans, or anything, and then they just sack manager after sack manager and everything else. And yeah, I, I don't know if this is this may be a totally politically incorrect and insensitive oh, thing Christ. to say, but clubs that are owned by Italian owners appear to act in a certain way and certainly go through a lot of managers. Well, I'm certain that Leighton Orient fans would agree with you. Yes, and Watford as well. Um, well, they beat the scum for once. So it's, listen, football football's about the last result. And going back to the game, I think that... Um, well, it's not, because Barnsley lost Saturday, been on a terrible run, and then Le- Leeds lifted their manager out of there. Yeah, but they, right. take, they, they take a pen and throw it at a club and then nick the manager. It's just a ridiculous club. Um, who, who, who are your positives from Saturday? Joel Lynch, surprisingly, really stepped up. That block was life-saving. Great. Because no. I think if they'd have got one... It could have been dodgy. It could have been hang on to your underwear time. You know, it's they were they were certainly getting that as a wee bit more than a light. Um, I felt sorry for Manning. It was a terrible challenge. 
he's obviously frustrated because he hasn't been playing. He's come on and he's made a huge mistake. And as usual, he gets slaughtered on Twitter. It was a bad thing that he'd done. He'll pay for it with the three games out after coming back into the squad. And I feel for the lad. But, you know, but he's young. Have me all done stupid things? I know why I did. I was a prat until I was 30. Mm, so, you know. And, yeah, yeah, and beyond. Um, very, very odd to see a sending off that no one complains about, including the well, player everyone sent off. Everyone winced. I mean, even he, he didn't even even pretend Manning. Manning didn't even pretend it, was it wasn't a sending off. He knew off. straight away. He was devastated. And the referee went straight for his card. You sort of saw Bertram was about three yards away. You sort of saw him almost nodding like... I mean, yeah. Just one of those things, wasn't it? I'm just it? pleased the lad was all right. That's the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, it was, listen, it was shocking. And no one likes to see that in football. And everyone, no one's going to argue with it. Um, I wouldn't say it was a vintage day for your other countryman, uh, Connor Washington. He seems yeah. to take too many touches. It, I, I mean, know, he's, maybe, he's maybe not a natural... He's not a natural goal scorer well, we like Charlie Austin. We know that. Um, I don't know if it's confidence or just his style of play, and maybe he's being played in the wrong way, but he, he seems to hang on for too long before he pulls the trigger. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's just not happening. Um, he seems to get himself out of a hole, um, like Burton, and, and get his confidence up. But then, you know, we play into the right strengths of players. I mean, the high, the high ball is doing my head in. I just think we're so much better than that. Why are we, we just oh, just play it on the floor, lads? You know, when we played it on the floor on Saturday, we looked a good side. Yeah. And we went round them and we did the same. When we, when we played Wolves and Sheffield United, a lot of that was on the floor. The long ball doesn't do us any favours. I think, but he's not a natural goal scorer. I think at the end of the season, he'll be gone. Um, it was always a massive ask to replace Charlie Austin. Um, and the, the more I see, the more. Kevin Gallum, when he came on, was right. He said, we've got some hard-working strikers. We've got a team that means well. You know when they say about people, he means well. All of our team mean well, right? But we don't have a striker, and all our strikers try their best, but we don't have a number one. We've got a set of number two Did strikers. Did you see Yeti School in France? No. So if you, was it a belter? I'm looking to someone who's a QPR fan, who cannot be named in the podcast. Who's was it a belter? Um, it was... One of the best goals I've ever seen. It was absolutely so blind. And it was a French League one. So blind, did so, you say? So blind. So blind. It's probably, is it my accent? Sublime. Uh, same thing. Okay. Um, so <laughs> he just... Although I prefer sublime. I don't care. Um, he got it and he just ran like he was being chased by the banshees from hell. And then just did this amazing shot type cross thing that went over the keeper straight in the back of the net. Beautifully placed under the crossbar. Oh, just amazing goal. And I'm like, huh. Well, Scowan's goal was a great goal. Lovely goal. goal. It was a great goal. Very good. But right. you know what? He's, he, he was a massive positive on Saturday, by the way, because he was really, really keeping that midfield under wraps for them. And he did a lot of work on Saturday, which saved There us. was a lot of positives. There was a lot of positives. Terrible it football, but positive. Terrible football, but clean sheet with 10 men for a bit of it. Some good defending, great goal, job done. By the way, the moment of the match, which no one will talk about, was Smithy's save before half-time. Absolutely yes. brilliant. Absolutely amazing save. The best keeper in this league by a country mile. Ours end. What about it? 
what would you like to say? I don't um, know. I have a great deal to say, to be honest. Um, I'll let you go first then. You're allowed to say I don't have anything. I challenge you to say I don't have an R's end. No. Uh, the only thing I wanted to ask you was this um, petition I heard about Fernandez. Oh, Someone God. started a petition for Fernandez out. Please don't do that. Yeah. Please don't. It's just wrong. It's not right. We daft, just... isn't it? Listen, I respect all fans' right to do whatever they want, but I just don't see how that's helpful. Um, if there's nothing else, let's talk about Wolves on Saturday. I, I have an hour's end. Go on, then. We need a scene on Twitter. There's a group now that wants to bring the atmosphere back. I'm forgetting their name because I'm crap like that. And I think it's a good idea. And I think we need more singing sections. So I wanted to ask you a question. Which is my Oz end. Okay. And everyone out there. Okay. How do we improve the atmosphere at Loves Road? Is it the performance in the pitch or is, do we then bring something to the pitch to inspire the players? Because it's flat as a pancake, let's be honest. I, I don't know if I have the answer. It feels like it is a two way relationship that feeds off each other. What happens on the pitch feeds the crowd, the crowd then feeds what happens on the pitch and so on. I feel like we haven't had an evening game for ages. Okay. I think no, we have. Up. Well, we have. Was Bright, uh, sorry, Brentford, was that the last yeah, evening yeah. game? Yeah, I think so. Because the atmosphere is always better at night games. I, I think, is there Sheffield United coming up? That was, yeah, uh, that's away. That's away. There doesn't feel like there's enough evening games, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get into all that. Should we move the kids from the lower loft? Because we'll just go on forever. No, no, you can't. But it's not going to happen. But I, I just worry that we're sleepwalking into boredom and we need something to happen. We need some kind of wake up realization. Because it never used to be like this. We used to be, we used to be you know, so focal. Do you know what? I think. If you really think about it, it's got to come from the pitch. And that's not me just saying, well, we're fans, it's got to come. You don't go to the theatre and like watch nothing and then blame the audience for it being rubbish. You've got to give them something good. You go to the cinema, the people in the cinema enjoy it because of, what, of what's there. Okay, there's, it's a bit deeper with football, but ultimately everybody wants to have a good experience that is mm. based on what is coming back from the pitch. And perhaps when we get the youngsters coming through, like Samuel, like Smith, Furlong and everything else, when they start coming through and we, we see our own players being developed, well, I know we brought them in, and um, Ezzy and stuff, that we can, we can maybe, maybe that'll help, who knows? But I would like to see a better atmosphere, more part. I'll look back at YouTube when they played the Chelsea, we beat them 1-0 that time, when the atmosphere was electric, I would love that to happen again. I know you can't do it all the time, but even a hundredth of that would be better what we have at the moment. Well, Carl Henry's coming back in two weeks' time, so maybe he'll inadvertently galvanise everyone. Yeah, right. Uh, Wolves. Mm. I kind of think it's an anomaly. I don't want to say we're going to lose, but let's... If it doesn't go great on Saturday, let's not rush at putting the boot in because they are... Doing rather well. It pisses me off because they're doing everything they should be doing. They've brought players from overseas in who've adapted right away. An overseas manager that's adapted right away. They have got the rule book, threw it out the window, and just breaking every rule that's not allowed in football. It's wrong. They shouldn't be as good as they are, and they're a bloody good side as well. But maybe that's so who... one all draw, which is a euphemism for <sighs> could be a long off. Do you know? Do you know what? It's a sort of game that we could win quite easily. I get absolutely keened. We could do the double over them. These quirks happen. Maybe we will. 
I think you know what I mean when I say I predict a one-all draw. You? I'm, 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 I'm fearful. Faithful or fearful? Both. Jesus, do you want subtitles? All right. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. This has been, been most enlightening half Please an feel free presence. to abuse us because this is the worst podcast we've probably ever done. But in some ways, do you know what? You have to get the bad ones out of the way. And we've certainly done that. We certainly um, have, David. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. Come on, you ours. Come on.